Welcome to The Hold Room with ACC, a quick update on all things relating to airport development as well as the Airport Consultants Council. This episode is part of a new passenger experience series hosted by ACC's Terminal and Facilities Committee. In this series, we are collecting the experiences and perspectives of different types of users of the airport passenger terminal including business travelers, leisure travelers, airport executives, airport, airline, TSA, and concession staff, and airport consultant staff, to name a few. For more information on this series and the hosts, go back and give the first episode a listen to. Today in the hold room, we have Chris Kopak, a mechanical engineer at McFarland Johnson. Please join us as Neil and Laura talk to Chris about the future of passenger travel from the perspective of a design consultant. Hi, Chris. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have you on and wanted to start you off with just general, how has the pandemic affected you either for your job, travel experience, anything else you'd like to share? Like many, the pandemic very quickly forced our physical offices to close and, and for our firm to go 100% working remotely. I don't think that's unusual for our particular firm. While we we're fortunate enough to have a, a strong enough work backlog to avoid any pandemic-related layoffs, so that was a good thing. However, as a, as a consulting engineer that works primarily for airport clients, I witnessed our clients experiencing 70, 80, 90% decrease in passengers. And so that is their lifeline, obviously. I was fortunate enough to still maintain our job based on the technologies we have in place. Our primary clients were suffering greatly from this pandemic with the extreme loss of revenue based on the passenger flow through their airports. Your title is a facilities group manager. What typically is your daily duties in that role? It's basically having oversight of all things vertical in our firm. Anything from manpower workload, projections, scheduling projects, maintaining the quality of documents that I expect coming out of the firm, uh, maintaining standards. Our product as a consulting engineer is this set of documents. I have pride in our product there. I want to make sure that all the parts and pieces look correct and are accurate and is a good representation of the amount of effort that we put into it on our side of things. Because at the end of the day, that is our product. That is what people will see as they're on the street. And so my primary responsibility is creating an accurate set of documents for clients to build or renovate their facilities. It sounds like you've got a few different hats that you wear inside of that role. How have you seen the pandemic change the size of those hats? How has your personal workload adjusted during the pandemic? At the start of the pandemic, we had enough of a backlog where it wasn't impacting us that greatly. But as that initial backlog started to wear down a bit, From a designer's perspective, that's where things started to get really interesting for us. We normally just have to follow the rules and regulations of the standard building codes and mechanical codes and and whatnot. And there's no code for (laughs) 
for COVID-19 at this point. At the start of this, there was no guidance, there was no code. So it was truly like I went to school to be an engineer and I really had to start engineering things and start thinking a bit more creatively about solutions for the building systems. I couldn't just go to any old code to get the answer, which was scary and exciting all at the same time. So what are some of the changes that you've seen at airports? And is there anything that you're really excited about that you think will go forward? Kind of the reimagining and and reinventing of not only the processing of passengers throughout the airport, that's kind of where I'm seeing the, the most progress from increasing touchless technology to better indoor air quality, to adjustments in how the airline operations go and passenger processing. I see it as kind of one of the few benefits that could have resulted from this terrible pandemic. Specifically, I'm seeing like increased integration of air quality solutions typically reserved for where you'd see hospital and healthcare. Now we're thinking about integrating HEPA filtration, ultraviolet lights, antibacterial surfaces into our designs the thermal imaging cameras where we can spot people who have elevated temperatures as they walk in as we're flagging those folks early on, or they can spot people who are not abiding by the mask policy and send a flag up the flagpole to folks. Other things that are still in beta testing, but I think we'll start to see them roll out a bit more is like TSA is experimenting with a fast pass lane, if you will, sort of like the Disney model to reduce the amount of queuing in their line. So I don't have 200 people standing all right next to each other because we just don't have the physical real estate in these airport queue lines to accommodate those number of people while maintaining the uh, recommended social distancing. Has the HVAC system at airports changed as a result of COVID? It's starting to change, yeah. People want to just throw in a HEPA filter and like call it good. It's not always quite that easy. The equipment is used to very basic filtration just to like catch bugs and leaves and that kind of thing. And so when you put a medical grade filter in there, it drastically impacts the amount of airflow. So it's not an easy thing to just retrofit into your existing equipment. It's going to take some time, but projects that are being designed today really need to think about where we are and what might happen in the future and kind of begin with the end in mind, if you will, on your designs to have increased filtration, have the opportunity for ultraviolet or bipolar ionization in the airstreams. And the end goal of all these are just to provide a better indoor air quality for the passengers. Some of the other things that I'm seeing on my side is not so much worrying about the transient space like the ticketing or TSA queuing or whatnot. Where do we now spend the most time? We get through TSA and and now we're, we're hanging out in the hold room for an hour or two hours waiting for our flights. I've started to do some reimagining of those hold rooms and just using some simple strategies like keeping that area under negative pressurization. And like I said before, increasing indoor air quality to those spaces can go a long way. Heaven forbid if somebody is in that passenger hold room and they are ill, we want to contain that to that space as much as possible and not allow it to just spread throughout the rest of the airport. So it's just a rethink and reimagining of how we used to do things. Pretty exciting stuff from the world of a mechanical engineer. What's pretty interesting about a lot of the factors you've mentioned there 
from a passenger traveling through the airport's perspective, a lot of the improvements that you're behind, they're pretty invisible, right? Like a passenger's not gonna sit there and be like, oh man, that negative air pressure, man, that, that's really good. They're just not gonna feel that. Out of everything you're doing, which do you think is the most valuable change that you see happening, which is a bit more tangible to a passenger? Well, I'll hit your point. And, you know, Neil, you've never been in a negative pressure situation, so you may enjoy it. You know, you don't, you don't <laughs> words Neil thought he'd never have coming out of his mouth. Negative pressure feels great, you know. So starting with that, though, I recognize that airports could invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into improving the indoor air quality, and you wouldn't see a darn thing. One of the areas that I talked about with some of our airport clients is you do this work and you need to market this work. You need to let people know what you're doing and that you take their health and safety very seriously. And hey, this is what we're doing and this is what we're implementing. You're teaching your passengers or you're at least giving them the knowledge that, hey, what's happening behind the scenes is important. And the airport is uh, integrating some of these technologies. So marketing, marketing is a big thing. As far as things that are most visible, any kind of opportunity where you can increase the touchless technologies and again, explain why we're doing that. I've seen uh, in Key West, Key West had purchased a mobile ultraviolet robot. It kind of has a glorified Roomba base to it. And then it has a variety of like ultraviolet arms. These arms can go into a space and basically get the contact time required with the ultraviolet light when there are passengers not in there to be able to disinfect and sterilize like, hey, it's tough to disinfect all the uh, fabric passenger seats in a hold room, as an example. That is a type of equipment that's very visible. Something along those lines is an effective means. I've also talked to our clients about don't be shy about getting your cleaning crews in there multiple times. And I know maybe you clean overnight. Don't do it overnight. Clean during the day when the passengers are in there just to show that level of commitment to their safety and keeping the spaces as sanitary as possible. Yeah, that ultraviolet technology is incredible. I've seen a lot of like shows have incorporated that into their storyline now too because those are the visibility things and the things that really are customer facing. One of the other things I didn't mention, but I'm interested in incorporating all of these technologies and increased filtration and whatnot are great. One of the things that I've talked to some of our airport clients about is almost creating like a pandemic mode for their operating system such that if, you know, two years from now we have 80% of the world has received the vaccine, it's been proven effective, and wow, that COVID-19, that was something, and we move beyond this, there will be the temptation and there will be folks that have these technologies in place, but now, geez, if I don't have to pay for operating these ultraviolet lights 24-7, I don't want to. Mm. And so what I'm trying to think about is five years from now. And integrating these technologies into their system such that they have the capabilities to essentially flip a switch, if you will, and to go from sort of a standard code compliance system to a pandemic mitigation type system or operation. So it's, again, just trying to think ahead. Yeah, that's interesting. It's not something I actually thought about. Just as a finger in the air, what do you think is standard code compliance system versus a, 
a pandemic system with the UV lights and the HEPA filters, et cetera. What do you think the cost difference is as a ratio? I'm going to take a real wag number at this, but I would say that your 20 to 30 percent probably increase okay. in initial costs. And that's and really I'm interesting. Guessing, yeah. Yeah. So what does positive passenger experience mean to you? And do you think that some of the technologies that you're using and recommending provide an added value for a, a positive experience? I do. So what a positive passenger experience means to me is a passenger that doesn't have to think about it. Going back to what Neil said, a lot of the things I talked about are sort of behind the scenes. They, uh, as a typical passenger, they walk in, they have less touch point opportunities and more technology-based solutions. I want those to ultimately be more convenient for the passenger. So it does create a better experience for them and a safer experience. And ultimately, from the airport side, trying to be sensitive to their operational costs. So ultimately, get the passenger through the airport terminal safely without necessarily even them knowing about it, but just making it a safer experience for them, getting them to their destination on time and still being sensitive to the operational costs and maintenance costs of our airport clients. Yeah, you said something interesting about without the passenger knowing it. So going back to your side of educating and marketing to the passengers to show them what is actually being done to help facilitate some of that comfort level to fly again, do you have any ideas, marketing strategies, or customer-facing items that you think could help provide that visibility and that education? At some of our airports, we've done touch screens with infographics, and it's a bit challenging because they're only as useful as the passengers that want to come up and actually learn about that stuff. You know, an increase in sign is certainly an increase from the marketing perspective of the airport is going to go a long way towards getting that goal. Going back to the ultraviolet automatic robot at Key West Airport, their marketing team was savvy enough to hit the local newspapers with it and came up with a contest to give it a name. It's cutesy, but it's also educating. Somebody won the contest and they've given it a cute name, but it's doing a very important job. And ultimately, they get to have fun with it, but they're marketing it and it's increasing the passenger's confidence level in using that facility. That's great. Yeah, what a great idea. It's so fun to integrate education and fun all into one and inviting people to come back in a very positive manner. All right. I think that's the list done, isn't it? We've covered a lot of the direct impact that Chris has and some of the more tangentially related stuff too. I think that went pretty well. Thank you so much for that insight and speaking to us and going through all these questions and follow-up questions. It's been very interesting. Anyone else have any other questions? Neil, any other negative pressure? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, you flip me around to a positive. What can I say? <laughs> awesome. Very good. Thanks for joining us in the hold room for this special podcast series exploring the new passenger experience. You can find more from this series on the ACC Training Hub. That's training.acconline.org backslash the-hold-room or wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Follow us for more content from the Airport Consultants Council. You can support this podcast by leaving a rating or review and by telling your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Thanks again. Thanks again.